Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedean, and today we have Case Knockenauer, which he is a real estate developer and entrepreneur. Case, how are you doing? Oh, it's a good day, Chris. I am so grateful to have you on the show today, uh, as we're going to talk about everything that has to do with entrepreneurship, with the real estate side of things, the real estate development side, and there's other things that I want to uh, allude to and kind of uh, unpack with you when I was reading your bio. But before doing that, I gave a small introduction of who you are. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I kind of put my hands in a lot of pots, um, but my primary job is uh, we run a, a flipping company. So I've got a partner, Tyler. And we run a team of uh, eight employees and then about 30 contractors, uh, seven or eight crews, um, kind of depends on the time of year. Um, we flip homes all the way through West Michigan. Um, so just west of you, Christopher, in Montreal. Um, but yeah, that's sort of my primary job. Our investments are, are largely small multifamily. Um, and uh, at this point, um, it's just been a, a lot of real estate, but I've sort of dabbled in some other strange things. Um, as, as for fun inside businesses, but um, that's definitely real estate's what I know. So, okay. So we're going to unpack the real estate and then we're going to talk about the strange things. Cause that's what I was kind of alluding to. You have done some interesting <laughs> and all that stuff that kind of uh, left field. So I'm interested to talk about that, but before doing that, uh, tell me how long you've been in real estate. You did mention that the, uh, the biggest part is through uh, residential uh, family units that you uh, hold or sell. And so on. just uh, unpack that a bit more. How long have you been in it? How did you get into it? Uh, and what are some advantages that you see being in real estate? Yeah, so I started 2016, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm approaching um, seven years, I think, in in real estate. I started by accident, like a lot of things I did um, and have done, uh, is I was helping a friend find a career, and I said, "Hey, go go be an agent." You know, it seems like a pretty lucrative career with some flexibility. And he said no, so I went and did it instead. Um, and so I started as a real estate agent. Uh, first year, I did a lot of education, didn't sell, didn't sell very well, like three or four houses. Um, I, re- I think I made $1,305, if I recall correctly, my first year. So extremely lucrative. Uh, the second year, I kicked myself into gear and I, I turned something like 35 or 40 homes. And then the third year, I hired an assistant and a few buyer's agents and did 100 and that was fun, except extremely stressful. Um, and so two things happened. We had a baby um, and I realized that I didn't like my job anymore. So um, in addition to the not fun, I also wasn't making as much money as I thought I should be with that much work. So I, I did my taxes and I realized half my money was made on three or four flips I did that year. I'm like, whoa, half my money. Flipping took me two hours, three hours a week. Um, 
So I'm like, what can I do? And so I kind of follow like the 80-20 principle. And I love, so Perry Marshall wrote a business book, um, 80-20 sales and marketing. Um, and I, he talks about how 80-20 is fractal. So 80% or the 20% of the 20% give you 80% of the 80% of the results. So you can, you can, you know, it's a beautiful example how the 80-20 rule is fractal inside each division. And I think that's a really cool thing. And so I, I did taxes and I realized I was making most of my money flipping houses and I also enjoyed it more. And so I'm just like, all right, let's, let's shut it down. So that was 2019. And since then, I, I don't, I now don't list sellers homes. I don't work with buyers agents. Um, we don't even list our own properties. I actually, um, leverage an agent in my market that used to be a competitor and now is a partner in the business and, and she lists our homes for us. Uh, so yeah, all we do is flipping houses now and, and very much took the approach of eliminating the things that uh, were stressed and uh, stressful and, and cut, you know, kept me on the phone after five o'clock. Case, I love what you just mentioned. And it's funny, we have a very similar background. So uh, like you, I was in real estate too for five years before being a, a professional speaker and a peak performance coach. And the goal was actually to do exactly what you're doing, which is 100% just in real estate investing. Now, I've dabbled in that, and I'm quite versed in it when it comes to the knowledge aspect behind it. But you're 100% right in regards to that ideology that brokers is, you know, just a lucrative life and so on, which it is, but there's a lot of work involved. And exactly like you, the first year, literally, I paid to be a broker. And then the second year, I brought it to another level, exactly like you. It was like so funny how you kind of uh, are loaded to that. And one thing I want to highlight here for our listeners and our viewers is that 80-20 principle that he, that uh, case you just mentioned, you were able to look at what are the places that you could leverage that's giving you the most income and most importantly, saving you the most energy. So you were making a lot of money in brokerage. Like it's inevitable if you're doing hundred plus transactions, having X amount of people, but you're looking at how much energy is that taking you? And if you realize the counterpart, the other one that's giving you almost 50% of your net worth for that year is taking so much less time, less energy, and you're winning in your time, it makes just perfect sense. So congratulations with all of that aspect. And so talk to me now, are you guys still like flipping, buying? Do you guys do wholesale? Do you hold? Do you do any apartment syndication? What is your main aspect in real estate when it comes to your holdings and your approach right now, especially that the market is kind of shifting? And I do want to talk about that in a few seconds as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kept our business practice pretty simple. Um, the main reason I moved away from being a real estate agent, um, in addition to its stress and time, was also that I didn't like that I couldn't exactly tell you what you're going to sell your home for. And so I'm sort of, I sort of pride myself on being a, a man of my word. And when I say your house is worth a dollar, it better well sell for a dollar. I'm in trouble. Right. Um, and so I, I didn't like being able to, I, I wanted to promise something that I couldn't deliver as a real estate agent. Mm. And um, that's, that's how quickly a home sells and the value it sells for. And um, by switching to an investor, if I offer you a hundred thousand dollars for the house, I'm going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for the house and I'm going to commit to doing that. And, you know, we build in inspection periods and, and things like that. So we can, you know, at least take a look at the property. Um, but yeah, the primary reason we do this is because I'd like to do what I say. And so our business is really wrapped around flipping homes, uh, committing to a price and then move forward with it. And so at this point, I've, I've yet to do a syndication. Um, we've had a lot of investors express interest in doing a syndication with us on apartment complexes or multifamily. 
Um, but again, I don't like not being able to promise and deliver on mm-hmm. an investment performance. So um, we do offer, uh, we do partner with, with investors and we offer 10% interest. So it's by no means like a slam dunk return, but I can guarantee it. It's tied to our assets and it's uh, it's, it's an easy investment. So at this point we flip houses. Uh, we've got a hundred and I think 101 rentals. We sold a few and bought a few. Um, and so that's something my wife and my wife and I own and my partner owns. Um, but uh, yeah, at this point, small multi, we've got two apartment complexes, a lot of duplexes and four units and uh, quite a few single families that were supposed to be flips. And we just switched into rentals for some reason or another. Very good. Okay. So you, you're, like you said, you're kind of putting your ducks in line to have as much as possible. And you're kind of looking at which ones you need to flip, which ones you need to hold. And there are some potentials in the future when it comes to apartment syndication, just it's, it's natural as you guys are growing, as you guys are using outside investors, people are going to ask for that because it is very valuable for people that understand real estate, but don't want to do day to day such as you're doing. So it's a, it's a great added value. Now in yeah. regards to you starting to do this officially full-time in 2019, right before the pandemic hit in uh, 2020 and with all of the real estate kind of going in a hyperinflation in a certain bubble in certain areas of the world. And what is your thought in regards to right now, what is happening with, first of all, the rates going up because they had dropped it significantly low because they were printing a lot of money. So we could go through this recession. What are you seeing as an investor when it comes to real estate? Are you holding your money, waiting it for kind of that rainy day to come so you could just pick up all the properties that discounts? Are you still being very bullish right now? Are you like bearish? Where are you at with the real estate properties in the region that you said in Michigan and so on? Yeah, I'm Michigan's already seen an impact in prices. Uh, I think I can't recall if this is the state of Michigan or the country as a whole, but I think we had 22% year over year increases um, three years on average, Mm -hmm. which is just, it's extraordinary. And yeah, again, I don't quote me on that value because I don't remember the exact value, but let's call it 20%. And so I think we saw something like a decade worth of inflation in a period of three years. Um, and so I don't see that as something we can continue to do. And um, so I, I it's challenging because the market as a whole went up very quickly, but we still have a massive lack of inventory. So interest rates went from 2.4% or something, and we're up to six and a half. And so we've doubled our interest rates. Um, areas of West Michigan have seen somewhere between a 10 and a 20% decrease in prices in the last four or five months. And, uh, that, you know, that's a lot. That's a big drop in, in three or four months, but it's also only accounts for one year of inflation. So we're, we're back to where we were a year ago. So there could be further down, uh, but at the very same time, our rent values uh, have gone way up for apartment complexes we've purchased we've underwritten you know at 825 to 850 a unit and we're getting 995 so in addition to prices going up um, and inflation going up uh, and then sort of stabilized getting wonky at the end uh, the rents and the income have sort of increased with it so at this point I'm I'm I sort of dollar cost average uh, my purchases. And so rather than go crazy, I'm constantly buying, we really look for cash flow uh, when we purchase things, unless there's a large equity position. You know, we, we do buy properties that sort of just break even. Um, but it's largely because I can spend 50,000 and it's worth 100. I'm willing to lock in something for a period of time. Uh, yeah, but primarily looking at cash flowing assets uh, that we're going to hold for longer than 
you know, five to six to seven years. So I'm, I'm very uncomfortable where the market's going to be in 24 months or 36 months that I don't really know. Um, but in a inflationatory environment with, uh, very little housing. I'm, I'm fairly comfortable that five to seven years from now, we're going to see the market where it is today or above. So as long as, as long as I'm buying something that cash flows and it's not going to empty my pocket for the next five years, I'm pretty comfortable buying properties. Okay. I love one thing you just highlighted and I want to uh, highlight this for the viewers and listeners over here. When it comes to real estate, you win on the buy, but if you're going to hold a property for five to 10 years, let's say that was kind of what you were alluding to, Unless you buy very stupidly, it's almost inevitable you're going to make somewhat of uh, money on it unless something tragic happens, like something like a hurricane or whatever the case is. But if not, the uh, the increase of the capital is just going to go up on the property just naturally in that time frame, which half a decade or a decade. So I love the fact that you're alluding to that. And I love the fact that the most important thing for you, especially when you're starting a, 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 an investment business, is the cash flow aspect. Is it going to be cash flowing? And at that point, you'll make the, the, the decision of the trigger of buying the property or not. So Case, I mean, thank you for giving us your insight in that regards. I do want to talk about some of the stuff that I saw that you have bought for investing purposes. What I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you have bought an airplane, a school bus, an ambulance, uh, a Land Rovers, almost like 900K worth of them. Like, tell me what's happening here. Are you going through a midlife crisis or are some investment processes going on with this? A bit of both, I'd say. Yeah. So, so I'll kind of fast forward. So it's it's October twenty today, uh, exactly a month from today, November twenty. My family and I get in a Toyota Tacoma with a, a slide in truck camper, and we're heading out for I don't know three months, six months, nine months until we get sick of each other. Is then we'll be heading home. Uh, but some of those toys, I'll say, are sort of an element of adventure. Um, and so the airplane uh, we bought for. Um, turn it into an Airbnb. Uh, ended up, we got sued by the municipality, or not sued, but threatened by the municipality. And we we ended up selling to somebody locally. Uh, we had an ambulance for the exact purpose for this trip on November 20. So we were going to turn an ambulance into an Airbnb. And same thing with a school bus, but for technical reasons, we sold both of them. Um, and the Land Rovers was a, a COVID decision, actually. So my wife quit her job and... Um, early COVID when my son was born and we decided like, Hey, we got to figure out a way to let her stay home and feel a little bit economically um, productive. And so I, I love the, you know, how can I work a few hours a week and make a few bucks? And so I, I sort of started a business for Laura and then I gave, I gave the business to my VA who ran it. Um, and so Laura never got involved, but we bought 30 Land Rovers, I think at this point, imported them in, and then sold them. And so it's been, it's not been lucrative. I don't think I'd suggest it um, to anybody <laughs> and I think I'm done, but it's been, it's been an experience to, to sort of learn from international imports. Uh, it takes me very little time. You know, my, my time per hour probably made a thousand or $2,000 an hour last year doing that, but it's also something that you think about. And so my actual, and it's another thing to be like, oh crap, I got to do, I got to do that. I got to put that on my my ticket and, and figure out how to take care of it. So um, I think this year I'm probably done with it, but it's, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of jobs for fun. And so, you know, having a focus and, and I, I don't, um, you know, a lot of working professionals, let's say your CEO or a CEO of a company, it's really important that you dive deep and you're really knowledgeable in 
how to operate the company and how to improve the company and how to develop new products. But I also think that exploration of ideas is important that have nothing to do with what you're really good at. And so when there's something that's cheap, so it doesn't take a lot of time or it doesn't take a lot of money and doesn't take a lot of time. I'm like, oh yeah, go for it. So my defender started with a $15,000 commitment in like two hours. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so a lot of the, the side businesses we've had um, are because it was a small financial and a small time commitment. And like some of the largest ones we made, you know, $100,000, $200,000 from because it was just like, oh, it's fun. Let's try it. And some of them are a failure and we've invested some money and said, oh, shoot. But um, I love it because I think it creates, uh, especially in my, in my workplace, uh, my employees, I encourage to have this creativity and say, hey, how can we make things smoother? How can we make the algorithm better? And so we, we spent a lot of time sort of just on the edges of, of what would be considered maybe appropriate for our uh, business niche. But um, I like the ability for them to explore. And so. Um, yeah, I'd say gra- grab the opportunity when it's not expensive or doesn't take a lot of time. So that is very interesting. Cause like you said, there's a lot of education that comes from that, but what question I have with that in regards to the ROI in time, even though it's small, don't you think it would be more valuable to spend it back in your actual business, which is real estate, or is it because you've kind of tapped everything you need to tap into real estate and there isn't anything more that you can do with the time frame or the opportunities of real estate properties being sold or something like that. Is that why you go into it or just really, it's something fun for you and you enjoy it. And if that's the case, that's kind of like leisure slash business. Yeah. It's so I think two, two, two reasons. Um, economically, I'd say it's probably more advantageous to spend time in my business. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think two things happen when you don't spend it directly in your business, when you do something completely unfamiliar, um, I think you get a, and I don't know if I'm going left or right now or right to left, but a logarithmic curve of education, I think is very similar um, mm-hmm. where the first 20 or 30 hours of time you spend in something new, let's say you pick up a unicycle and you learn to ride. Uh, if you've never ridden a unicycle, you know, eight to 10 hours from now, you're going to be super proud when you ride down the drive. And then another eight to 10 and you'll be like, okay, I can, I can, I can do a little balance and I can move back and forth, but to get to the point where you're like riding down a stairway or, you know, doing something crazy, um, it's going to take, it's going to, you're going to have to ride for like 4,000 hours. And I think we see that in the corporate world a lot, um, you know, in real estate, I think that it's easy to get good, but it's really hard to get great. And the ability to see accelerated learning, um, I think creates excitement And I think it spreads from whatever section you're doing it in. So, um, you know, like in coaching consulting, I I imagine you play a sport or something like that. And I, to me, business is, is fun. And so I'd say I start businesses sort of like people play basketball and, you know, if, if they get excited about basketball and to see themselves improving, um, they come back a better employee. And I think the same thing's true with, with business, but this is the, this is, I think is a big benefit when you start a business, you see how, when you, when you run a business you're completely unfamiliar with, you start to notice educational principles and business principles that you, you take for granted in your normal, in your normal business life. Because it's like, Oh, sheesh. I I forgot about that. I forgot what it's like to be this. And it puts yourself in the shoes of your employees and it puts yourself in the shoes of what it's like to rebuild something. So I like the money 
because it's good. It's not as good as my real business, but I like the lessons that it comes with and I, I enjoy myself and I get excited about other things. So yeah. that's, that's really why I do it. So yeah, twofold. Like you said, you have fun while you're doing it. You kind of alluded to it, like you're yeah. playing basketball for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of doing these things. And second thing is that you're learning from it, even though it's not specifically in your business, that business lesson that you're learning, which you probably would never have learned in real estate is making you a sharpened iron for real estate and giving a different yep. perspective. So yeah, I, I definitely understand that and appreciate that. Uh, Case, yeah. uh, I want to ask a couple last questions over here because I do want to be respectful for your time. My next question is, it's, it's obvious that you know, you're know you a successful individual, you started in real estate and it wasn't easy in the beginning, then you kind of brought it to another level, had a team under you, and then from there you realized, oh my God, uh, real estate investing is where I need to be from the brokerage to the investing side. And you're succeeding quite well, so much so that you're dabbling into so many other things as a sport aspect when it comes to business. Now, I truly believe we learn a lot from people's successes, but I think the best way we learn is from our failure, but not only our fail, from other people's failures or difficulties. So my question to you is, what is happening or what is something in your business right now that you're having a hard time with, or there's room to improve or to optimize, and how you go about fixing it. So what is one thing that's really difficult in your business and how you manage, or what are you thinking about to fix that problem in itself? It's a good question. Um, I think a lot of mistakes can be, are easy to tell in hindsight. Um, and so the problems I'm having aren't always the mistakes I have. Um, so I'll, I'll back up one, one more second. I'm sorry about this. So I'd say, the time I make the biggest mistakes are when my ego and emotions get in the way. That's and cool. so when I look at my current business, uh, I try my best to, to have red flags go up when I get emotional about something. Um, because if I get emotional about anything, right. An employee, if I get emotional about a house, if I get emotional about a lead source and I'm especially attached to it, I'm going to ignore the the numbers and, um, the other thing is ego is the thing that gets in the way when you think you should be doing something, right? So the next step is to go hire somebody or the next step is to be bigger than my competitor or buy more houses or flip, or I need to grow more than last year. And that's when I make mistakes. And so right now, I think my, a little bit ego, but I also think I'm aware of it. So the market has changed. Interest rate has changed. Our home values are down. 10, 15, 20% um, from six months ago. And so sellers have yet to realize, many sellers have yet to realize the, the true drop in value. And so they're raising their hand like, hey, I'll take the offer you gave us three months ago. I'm like, I don't want it anymore. And so that's been very hard because we're saying no to nine out of 10 deals that we would have said yes to just four or five or six months ago. And so I think... Um, emotionally that's been challenging because we're probably not going to have the same volume in the next three months that we're used to. But I think it's going to open up some opportunities that we otherwise wouldn't have seen you know, in the early, early 2023. So Case. it's a strange answer, but I'm, I'm struggling to wait. And that that's, that's very challenging. You know, being pitting is hard when you see things that should work, but you're not you know, but then you look at the economy again, you're like, oh yeah, I got to have a little more cautiousness than previously. Yeah. Okay. I don't find that to be a strange answer. I find it to be like a very, very in informative answer because I truly believe 
as an individual, as an entrepreneur, as a person, if you do not have controls of your emotions, they're controlling you without you knowing, and you're acting upon certain things without even thinking or doing the right steps. And all this is stemmed to the evolution of our human body, our homo sapien, our brain, and our brain only has one job to keep us alive. It doesn't have the job of making us happy, making us fulfilled, making us abundant, making us uh, love. That's not the job. So if you don't realize that I put you to check, check your ego, like you said, check your emotions, like you said, it's dangerous. So my second part to that question, what do you actively do to check that? Is it like, like you said, you, you're the fact that you're aware is a huge part of it, but do you do something specific? Do you do meditation? Do you have a coach? How do you go about touching that? Do you talk with a mentor? How do you go about that? Yeah. Uh, I think two, two pieces. And so personally, um, meditation has actually been very helpful. Um, I am, I've never meditated prior to two years ago. I, I joined a investment group and they all were like hippy dippy into, into meditation. I'm like, all right, I'll commit to it. So I did a week at 10 minutes a day and I'm like, Oh, I feel pretty good. And, and then I did a month and then I did a year. And so I've been doing it for two and a half years now. And I found it to be very helpful sort of in my personal life, just to take a breath and say, okay, I'm, I'm okay. So yeah, 10 minutes has been very helpful, but in business, I sort of take like the flight list status. And so I'm not detail oriented, um, but our business is, and it has to be. So when we make a decision, we have very clear checklists that um, I have to go through that my employees make me go through because I, I won't do it. So if I fall outside of that operating system, the red flags go up and say, Hey, Hey, well, you know, why, why are we not doing it this way? And so we, we use a program called um, EOS, which uh, entrepreneurial operating system. And so that's a uh, rocket fuel and uh, uh, crap. I forgot the author's name, but anyway, you, uh, anyway, it's, it's a, it's been very helpful. So like every company has an operating system, right? And the idea is, do you have one that's clean? Do you have one that identifies problems and do you have one that allows improvement. So that's been very helpful. It kind of all puts a framework over the top of a business. Um, but, uh, and I think that's what a lot of coaches do. And so um, I've had professional coaches and I find them to be extremely valuable um, in both personal life, but also business itself. Yeah. Casey, I love that. I love the fact that you mentioned the meditation aspect and, you know, there's maybe discrepancy or a lack of knowing about it. I do feel like it's getting so much more uh, common or getting more spoken about. And the fact that you're able to see just with 10 minutes of mindfulness towards the breath work you did, or you did a, a transcendental meditation or a Vipassana, whatever you did, it just centers you. And sometimes we need that moment to stop. So I love the fact that you're doing it. I've been doing it for six plus years at this point as well. And the days that I don't do it, I don't know about you, Casey, but the days that I miss out two, three days in a row, I significantly feel it in my mood, the way I respond with my employees, with my colleagues, with my uh, friends, family. And I'm like, oh no, this is not me. So I love the fact that you're able to center that and be aware of the emotions because you're taking that time back. Uh, so Case, one last thing I want to ask you is, where is the best place for our viewers and our listeners to connect with you uh, to get more information about, Hey, if they want to get into real estate investing, if that's something you could help them out with, if they're looking to go to that next level or so on and so forth, where's the best place they could connect with you? Yeah. Two, two places. So if you'd like to sort of follow my family on the adventure and, and see what we're doing, um, uh, happy bones family is on Instagram and uh, that's just going out and adventuring. So we spend a bunch of time and uh, on the road and, 
look forward to our adventures. And then if you're really interested in, in talking about investing and, and looking at uh, joining with us as an investor, uh, you can go to olandinvestor.com and then we can connect and have a phone call. That is beautiful. Everything mentioned will be in the show notes. And Casey, I'm just going to say, have a blessed trip with your family because what you're saying sounds amazing. Those are definitely family goals. Once I get to that point, getting an RV, traveling and uh, having some fun in that regards. And it was such a pleasure having you on the show. A pleasure. We'll have you out to Michigan when you hit the road. <laughs> 100%. Have a good one. Fantastic. Christopher Devian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.